Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. I'm Samuel McCullough and I'm joined by my two esteemed colleagues today. We've got Garrett and Noah here to uh, roll through the news today. How are y'all doing? Doing great. It's a Friday morning and prices are good. Yes, markets are good today. Nice Friday. Uh, exactly. Nice to talk about. <laughs> you know who's not going to be feeling pretty good, good soon is Gary Gensler. Once he goes in front of the, uh, the what is this, the Republican panel, the House Financial Services Committee, uh, who have been already asking him questions before his appearance that is slated for next week. Uh, they have been asking Mr. Gensler, or Chair Gensler, about his connections and his meetings with Sam Bankman-Fried in the lead-up to FTX's collapse. The Republicans sent an inquiry, as reported by the Block, on February 10th, asking for more details about all of these meetings and say they've been stonewalled by the SEC since. So hopefully we get some better answers during live testimony. Well, he's on the spot. He's under oath. And it's not that folks want to catch him in a catch-22, but uh, he's got tough questions to answer. Yeah, did you all get to check out the hearing he had the other day where he was uh, basically in front of a different committee trying to justify the SEC's budget? And what was notable that came out of that was um, some of the people leaked, I don't know if it was a leak or not, but that the, uh, the House was considering 30% budget cuts of the SEC. Or would anyone be surprised? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they like it. I mean, the thing about it is their budget's pretty small. I mean, they they're very limited in what they can do already, and uh, you know, they, it's not like it's not like what they've been doing with the IRS and adding seventy thousand people to the workforce to to go out and you know catch people for Venmoing more than six hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> My understanding is one of the problems is they get these large uh, settlements, but then they have trouble collecting. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. because the um, companies they're trying to collect from have gone out of business because they've spent the last few years on lawyers. Yes. What a waste of time and effort. Exactly. There's a great uh, summary by Paradigm that was put out uh, just the other day after the uh, Coinbase, um, what was it called? Uh, the, the letter that they received, the, the Wells Notice. Uh, after Coinbase reported about the Wells Notice, Paradigm came out and uh, laid out a, a full summary of all of the enforcement actions that the SEC had taken against various companies and about the different trials and tribulations that different crypto companies have gone through in trying to register, trying to be compliant. And essentially, the how they have all pretty much failed and how it's cost the industry millions and millions of dollars to hire all of these lawyers to get absolutely nowhere with no clarity. Yeah, it's really disappointing for me because, uh, you know, Gary Gensler attended the same or taught at the same school that I went to. So I had really high hopes for him. Um, but like from what I've seen so far, like trying to judge things as a fairly neutral person and not like just as a like crypto denizen, he's done a terrible job. Like, is there any argument that he's done a great job? It, bottom line, the SEC's role is capital formation and to promote the health and well-being of that process. And for that, you need rigorous rules. And Coinbase, his process of asking, we want to do this, engage with us, and they have failed. They are not supporting capital formation of technologies to create 
enterprise to produce to be productive and that's not that's not opinion based on my interest and involvement in the space that's just objective that's a rational observation how do we get external capital to want to deploy capital into these markets by having the things that everyone wants from the sec that they're not offering and it doesn't make sense why mm -hmm. Uh, so the House Republicans have provided a deadline of Monday, April 17th at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, which is the evening before SEC Chair Gary Gensler is set to testify before the House committee that the Republicans sit on and control. Uh, now, moving on to our next story, the London Stock Exchange Group is set to clear Bitcoin index futures and options. So the LCH, the clearinghouse arm of the London Stock Exchange Groups, will offer clearing services for cash-settled Bitcoin index futures and options, uh, the company said in a statement Thursday. So this is a, uh, a separate service that uh, finalizes trades. Uh, that, uh, and they say that Bitcoin index futures and options are a rapidly growing asset class, and there is increasing interest among institutional market participants looking for access within a regulated environment that they are familiar with. So it's sort of just like the U.S. has created a void and the rest of the world is seeing what they can do to capitalize on our ignorance, as far as I can tell. Well, I wouldn't say that. We have Bitcoin futures here. That's so, fair. Um, I will it's say... Like, mm -hmm. Go ahead. It's like... The only way you could put this into the context of traditional finance is if the New York Stock Exchange was not a United States organization, enterprise company, and it was just in the void because that's what Bitcoin, Ethereum, they're like on the Z axis of a market. It's like the New York Stock Exchange was this entity sitting in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and companies came to it, uh, countries came to it saying, all right, do you want access we want access so it could be any country trying to get access to bitcoin or the new york stock exchange for that matter and they're going to access it and it's not the rules and regulations of the united states i and i emphasize in a final thought that this is not a u.s market it simply isn't well it's uh i guess another market exchange uh, cashing in on the trading volumes that are that are quite high in the crypto space. So it's one access. Exactly, exactly. So Europeans have done a great job of providing actual rules for crypto companies to operate in and also for exchange trading. And this is just another step in that direction. In another big news, uh, Twitter is moving towards becoming a financial super app by partnering with eToro to let users trade in stocks and crypto. So the two companies announced that uh, trading data will be available through Twitter's cash tags. So this is the uh, feature where if you use a dollar sign before a, a ticker, so if you have BTC and you do a dollar sign BTC, uh, it'll bring up information through eToro and then it will also allow you to trade it now. So this is a, a awesome new feature that is integrating uh, financialization into Twitter even more and more.
That's interesting. So I know that Elon's had kind of long ambitions to have his one app that rules everything. Um, it kind of combines uh, aspects of all the different kind of um, uh, like pots that he has his finger in. So it would seem to me that this is just a uh, next step. Yeah, it seems so. Democratization of financials is a good thing. What we need additionally is the proliferation of education and information such that we can use the democratized market access to these markets in a productive and healthy fashion, not restriction and regulation from accessing markets. So I generally like these things that he's doing. Uh, so another, well, finishing up with the macro stuff and moving on to DeFi, which is all what we want to talk about. Uh, Uniswap actually has two stories that we're going to talk about today. Uh, the first one is that their app is out of Twitter or out of Apple jail, and it's live in most countries now. So before this, the Uniswap app had been stuck in the uh, developer area where only 10,000 users could join. Also, yeah, Garrett, was that a casual MIT flex earlier? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a. Uh, I'm doxed enough that I don't. Uh, I don't hide that. But I went to like the left wit side of it. So like smart people went in for computer science. I went in for an MBA, which is where all the dumb people hang out. So uh, we have this tweet up from Banteng that says that uh, the Uniswap uh, wallet, which is actually very well designed, it's a great UI, and you should definitely try it. Uh, very simple UX, and uh, Banteng says it makes it almost impossible to lose money. <laughs> and this one says that it's not available in his country, but now it is. Uh, it's available, it's out, and you're able to uh, connect and use it now. Um, a great move for the industry. Nice to see Uniswap kind of moving out and, and moving into the mobile space. Uh, another big Uniswap news story is that the DAO approved a proposal to deploy Uniswap v3 on Polygon ZK, ZK EVM. And uh, ZKEVM, like we said yesterday, is one of the new L2 deployments on top of Poly. Well, I guess it's like you have Polygon. Polygon tries to call itself an L2. It's not really. It's a. It's another L1. But now they have an L2 on top, which is ZKEVM, and Polygon is going to be deploying Uniswap v3. Um, I like what they've done. I like what they've always done. They've deployed immutably. They get it. Just because I, amongst others, can argue it's not investable for a variety of complicated, long-winded reasons. The tech is wonderful. And the demographics of the users of a market is quite interesting. And there's a very distinct group of people that use the Uniswap product compared to aggregators or the meta aggregators. So it has its place. It has the largest volume in all markets, all DeFi markets, whatever chain you're talking about. It's always been significant and will retain that title. Yeah, my lukewarm take is that the more AMMs we have doing interesting things in the space, the better. So kudos to Uniswap. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they develop now, now that the Uniswap v3 licenses are are uh, public and that other people can take them and deploy them now. Um, they've been, uh, I guess you could say, a little bit slow in deploying their own product from chain to chain. Uh, and now that it's 
I guess, open for anyone to go out and de deploy their con concentrated liquidity contracts, uh, you might see them speed up a little bit in uh, those deployment deployments. They're not an avalanche, are they? I don't know. I don't think so, because that's interesting, given the advancements of Trader Joe. Uh, the, the, but they they go everywhere. They should. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Curve as well, too. Is everywhere. Story. But, you know, Curve actually moves pretty fast and is, uh, you know, wants to be everywhere. So they were quite uh, a leader in some interesting ways. You, re you remember when they were on Phantom and Phantom was like five dollars worth of TVL and <laughs> and it was like multi-chain.xyz and nobody you know there's there's interesting times we've been through the last couple of years <laughs> well speaking I found myself among the phantom bulls <laughs> i think phantom's gonna make a comeback it's uh andre's chain speaking of uh of curve flux finance is pursuing a curve gauge uh, which they actually just got a amo passed in the frax governance and i'll come back to them in a second but uh flux is uh, pursuing a curve gauge for their F tokens. And uh, this is interesting because their F tokens are a, uh, well, let me take a step back. Flux is a, a lending protocol, which is a fork of compound. And that's not very interesting, but the collateral that is backing it is US treasuries. And so this would be the first, I guess you could say, centralized uh, project that is gaining access to a curve gauge and uh, it's been a little contentious. I thought it would be con more contentious in the Frax forms, but it actually, we, we had something called an AMO, which is an auto, uh, uh, algorithmic market operation. And this allows the uh, protocol to deploy unbacked Frax into uh, a variety of different places uh, so that it can earn a yield on it. And we just voted to deploy $2 million into the Flux Finance pool uh, to start earning a yield. So, it must have enough decentralization and guarantees uh, to allow for it to uh, be healthy. So oh, huh. integrated with Ando. Mm -hmm. Ando's the Ando's the issuer of the the treasuries, and then uh, Flux is the lending market where those treasuries go into. Aside from treasuries, because when you're backing stablecoins with treasuries, those are uh, that's a CDP mm -hmm. that's a credit creation it's a liability creation they have another interesting product which is their money market deposit so they're minting stables uh, based on money market deposits as mm -hmm. well this is all very interesting the, the RWA conversation real world asset conversation this is this is interesting to see I think this is just the start uh, of where things are heading but this is very interesting start well, start of where things are heading for people with more than ten million dollars. Yeah, so the, this is big numbers. Like Ando only takes hundred thousand dollar transactions. Uh, so right now, uh, Ando is outside the reach of most people. But if you do want to earn a yield and benefit from the lending markets that Flux provides, uh, you can deposit USDC, Dai, and Frax into those pools. But this curve gauge. Uh, would create a uh, FUSD, FUSDC die pool. Maybe it should be a frax based pool. Um, just going to say. And uh, this would create a liquid market uh, for those uh, lending deposits uh, on Flux. So it's actually interesting. I, 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 was, uh, I thought it would be more contentious, but there is a bit of, like when you're depositing assets into Flux, 
it's not you're you will get your money back or at least you should because if the person gets liquidated right and uh, those assets go up at a discount somebody really should buy them there should be a buyer to come in and purchase them because then they could arb arb the difference right because like you're buying something at a 10% or 15% discount to what the market rate is and uh, when you're talking about treasuries that's a lot of money right that could be four or five years three four well three years of yield right now right um, so it makes a lot of sense to to repay those debts and liquidate those assets Garrett, you're the resident curve expert here. Like, what do you think of this? So I, uh, my default policy on all these is just to wait and see what the Llama Risk team comes mm -hmm. back with. Um, to my knowledge, they haven't yet gone through that uh, process. Uh, for those who don't know, follow Llama Risk on Twitter. Uh, they release probably on a weekly basis reports into some of these pro um, gauges, gauge proposals. And they do a fantastic job. They kind of uh, they talk with the team. They review centralization vectors, possible rug risks, and if they issue like a glowing report, then I have all confidence that it's going to be safe. Um, until they've weighed in, I like I say people should just wait and see what the Llama Risk team has to say. It's amazing they do they do some amazing work for. Do they work on a grant basis? They must be getting paid by the curve now, right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah, they do a great job, and they do that to prevent conflict of interest. Yeah, no, I understand that. It shouldn't be a for-profit thing for what they're doing. Um, yeah, but it's sad because, like, if they're writing these research reports for Wall Street, they'd be charging hundreds of thousands exactly. of dollars for yeah. the reports. They're, they're that, that good. good. Honestly, it's some of the best reporting in the space uh, when it comes to like, let's take a look at the entire contract infrastructure and and put it into this like broad view of like what it can and cannot do, and then like it's almost like a. a an S1 that you would file, right? Where it's like, here's all the risks that are associated with these contracts. Here's how we can lose money. This is what we think uh, if it's either, you know, good or not good for, for Curve. They're doing a great job. Um, I love that they're financed by Curve emissions and it's just such an extraordinary uh, system that has not just been conceived, but emerged what, what allows that to actually work. Yeah, and to be honest, um, there's a VE funder, um, uh, which is a project that I helped work on where anyone can request curve gauges for their project. Now, generally, the curve DAO is only going to be voting in favor of these if they benefit curve in some way, shape, or form, uh, but it's been used to like fund Viper development, for example. So if anyone has ideas they think could benefit the curve ecosystem and want another way of getting funding other than grants, it's an interesting thing to look at. You can find that in the uh, Llama Air Force homepage. Uh, so just to wrap up, we've got a couple more news stories. The SEC charged uh, Terraform Labs and Doquan with defrauding investors through crypto schemes. Uh, this is also in uh, this is also with the other charges that the GO DOJ has launched against him uh, for defrauding investors. Uh, additionally, let's see, BitTrue Wallet revealed that they lost twenty four million dollars four days ago in a hack. And what else do we have here? That's not good. Yeah, no, another hack. <laughs> it's like that, that Simpsons thing. It's hack. like that Simpsons thing where they like, you know, <laughs> like days since the last accident, right? Days since the last hack. Hours. Hours. I mean, I'll take the hacks. Last year was days since last Black oh Swan event. Yes, please. Uh, and then you have here Archimedes Finance teases VArch, saying that it won't be just another vanilla VE token. What is Arch Archimedes? Oh, oh, you uh, Ando as well. They leverage Ando 
Ah, interesting. So, that, you know, you get five, you get up to 10x leverage on top of your four and a half percent on OUSG or the money market now. I think it's like five, five and a half percent. But it's uh, between Flux and, and Archimedes and Ando, it's just the tip of the iceberg of, I think, what's coming. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, that was some great news that we had on today. And we will be back on Monday. So, Garrett and No, where can people find you? Curve Cap on Twitter. <laughs> I just got a beautiful new uh, Llama NFT, courtesy of the Win Llama NFT Mints. Uh, we tried to get them on as last-minute guests, but they couldn't make it today. But check out Wen Llama. I want one of those. Yeah. I got to check that out. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> That's where my brain dump occurs. And I find my Saturday on Twitter, so... I'm on Twitter. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap it up for today. I'm Sammy McKellar, and this is Leviathan News. Today is April 14th, and we'll see you again on Monday.